0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tuesday Tips for Parents of Teens here at Raising Remarkable Teenagers. And today I am extremely excited to have Joe here. And Joe is a parent coach, another parent coach. And I also believe you have kids. So, ooh, an yes. added advantage for us. And um, the reason I was so interested in bringing Joe here is because you talk about us as parents understanding how trauma Mm -hmm. affects behavior. And and also even understanding trauma, because most of us don't think our kids or even know how our kids can acquire trauma, but we will talk about it. Mm -hmm. But before I talk, I carry on talking too much. Let me allow you, Joe, to actually introduce yourself. And by the, thank you, thank you very much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I really appreciate you giving me the the opportunity to come and speak to your wonderful audience. So, for me, it's the the more I can talk to parents about this stuff, just the for the kids and for them, it mm-hmm. just makes everything so much easier. Because you know, let's be honest, it's not easy being a parent. You know. No. We, we've got these kids in our life who have their own thoughts and their own feelings and which they should have mm-hmm. and sometimes we're a bit like um i'm not sure how that that fits in with how i'm feeling you know or thinking about things so to to be able to come and talk about things particularly trauma because trauma is something that we don't understand it's something that is becoming more recognised mm-hmm. but i forget often because i'm in my little bubble of trauma as Mm -hmm. in knowing about trauma and stuff and then I start to have conversations with people and they and I see them go oh oh and I forget that because I know other people don't know so to be able to stand in you know stand sit and have this conversation with you is so important because trauma impacts every single person on this planet at some point in their life everybody will go through a traumatic event. What that traumatic event is and how that impacts us, there's lots of, you know, there, there are lots of factors that that um, decide whether that's going to be a big stress or a little stress, mm-hmm. um, depending on the trauma and depending on how um, how often that traumatic event happens. And a lot of people think trauma has to be significant abuse um you know sort of physical neglect emotional sexual abuse or illness or being um you know like we look at the moment at the world being in a war-torn country people think that's trauma and that is trauma that's what we call like big trauma yeah Mm. And what people don't get, what people don't understand is there are so many other things that cause trauma. Absolutely.
0: and uh, yes. I I' I'm just I am just uh, I, I know we're going to come to that because we're going to be bursting beliefs about trauma and I don't want you to give it away because I, okay. want, I want I want first of all, I want us to first talk about about uh, obviously, you as a parent oh, yeah, me. And, and a parent coach and being an intentional parent but then we're gonna come back to that beliefs you know those yes. beliefs starting to bring and i was like oh, oh those on for a minute because See, i get so excited about I talking know. about it that i'm I like oh, don't
1: talk about me you don't need to I- talk about me
0: I know, and I, I know that we can get extremely excited. And by the way, it's good to go go and and we will speak about it, guys. Make no mistake, we will speak about those because sometimes, actually, as Joe was was beginning to say, we could be doing things that are actually traumatizing our kids. Without mm-hmm. our knowledge, but we will be talking about that. So hang in there. I got too there. far ahead of myself. So me, but I was <laughs> beginning to get
1: carried away. Did you see me? I was just. Oh, I mean, <laughs> like we don't even know who this person is. Who is she? What's she talking about? Um, so yeah. So um, me, I um, my background is I was in education. I was a teacher for over twenty years um, <laughs> in primary setting. I was taught in quite a lot of areas that were quite deprived, sort of just mm-hmm. out of London, uh, just sort of bordering on the outskirts of like outer London. Um, and I, so I, so I've had that background. And then my husband and I were foster carers for about 10 years, and our mm-hmm. kids, our kids were teenagers. We had one or two kids who were younger, but predominantly all of our placement all our children that came to us were teenagers Mm. Um, because I love them I love teenagers I just adore them they are they keep you relevant Absolutely.
0: absolutely I was having
1: I was having this conversation with my um my PT today about how rubbish we are on our phones not knowing all the things that our phones can do and he said thank god I've got teenage kids because they're just like, no, dad, you do this and this and this. And I'm like, see, I don't have any teenagers in my house anymore. So I have no clue what my phone can do. Um, so, so I love teenagers. I love them for all of those reasons. I love them for those. I'm a very straight-talking person. So my personality kind of, I guess I meet them at the same level. So, so we had a lot of kids that came to us who had been in residential homes because they couldn't find Mm -hmm. foster places to have them, children who'd been in psychiatric units, Mm -hmm. Um, children who were pretty much written off by the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all left us with either GCSEs, A-levels, going into apprenticeship, going into full-time work, which, is a huge thing when yeah. you think about most of them came to us as non-attenders of school. Yes. So huge so so that was, you know, that to me
0: that it was that's a, a huge positive outcome, you know, especially when you consider all the odds that are stuck against them and mm-hmm. the statistics as well and the labeling of those young people. Yep you got a good good job
1: and we I remember one of the kids that came to us had been expelled from two schools Mm. very quickly in succession and when he came to us that there was just nowhere that was prepared to take him. And then this new um initiative came out, kind of like a pupil referral unit, but mm-hmm. not a pupil referral unit. Mm-hmm. And he went there and it was absolutely amazing. He absolutely flourished because it was the right educational setting and he had the right home life. You know, he mm-hmm. had the support at home. And mm-hmm. and you know there was another we had another kid who came to us who was who had been quite heavily medicated for different things and decided at one point that actually they were going to come off their medication. And it just went to prove that they didn't need to be on the medication. The medication was not that the things they were being medicated for actually didn't exist.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, So it, you know, these, I guess I don't, I don't take on board sometimes the immense amount of work we did with the kids, because to me, it was just being a parent. That's what I did. I was like, well, why wouldn't you love the kids and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Tell them off they've done something wrong, but why wouldn't you be offering them the opportunities, you know, and and meeting them with love and compassion and, and connecting with them. So to me, that was always, I, I don't take it as a, um, wow, look at you, you were foster carers and you did this thing. To me, it was just like, we just parented those kids.
0: Wow. Was- so I need not even ask about you being an intentional parent because actually going, deciding, making that decision that I'm going to to parent this kid, I'm going to foster this kid, I'm going to adopt this kid, I'm going to, this kid, I'm going to have this kid. I'm going to teach this kid mm-hmm. and having that, that awareness that I can do something that is above and beyond that in itself is being intentional. And over here, uh, I'm raising remarkable teenagers, we talk a lot about being intentional, even for yep. those of us who are birth parents, mm-hmm. because the, the trouble we have with so many of us and it's it's not it's not shame or guilt or or blame on anyone it's the way we were parented yep most of our parents they parented by default not by design no not at all
1: and that's where we are we parent by you only know what you know right you only know the stuff you know and until you have a moment where you go ah I don't like that outcome Mm -hmm. I want to change that Mm -hmm. or or in my case it was I I knew I didn't want to parent the way I was parented I knew that from about seven years of age there was no way on this earth that was happening to my kids so with my daughter I am very intentional sometimes sometimes I think come on Joe." Bring it back a little bit, you know. Sometimes I think, am I too much, you know?
0: Um, rational. Are you yeah. too rational instead of just of just being of just being right? Yes. Yeah. But but the problem sometimes because of the way because of what we call a paradigm, right? Because of the of the mindset. Mm-hmm. If we are not intentional, what happens is we end up bringing through only what we know because that's yes. what the sub those are habits those yes. are habits that we we I mean how many parents tell me i reached a point and I began to see I'm doing exact same thing that I did want my mom doing to me mm-hmm. and I thought yeah. no something's got to change mm-hmm. and that's when intentionality comes yes. unfortunately for most of us again because of this or you can't talk bad about your parents, they can't have done anything wrong, or things like, oh, I turned out okay, even after all that. Mm. And, And sometimes we ignorantly carry on instead of actually deciding, you know what, this stops with me. Absolutely.
1: And that's the thing. It's that that was my decision was this stops with me, this stops this stops now I don't want my child to ever feel the way I felt as a child I never want to and I think that's what that's what led me to be a foster care in the first place was I wanted those kids to know that somebody loved them that somebody that that there was somebody out there that would fight for them and would absolutely and I remember my kids being in a I remember being in this meeting and the social worker didn't turn up. Now, I'm not banging social workers. They do a fantastic job. <laughs> but, you know, they just didn't turn up. And I remember one of the kids on the phone to social worker went, no, Joe said the meeting was today. Therefore, the meeting is today. You got it wrong. And they absolutely knew that, that I, I, I was there for them. There was, you know, I was the person that was advocating for them, and I just, you know, to me, to to, um, you know, imagine going through your life not knowing if the adults in your life actually would have your back, you know, and yeah. a lot, and that's what what these kids had gone through. So for mm-hmm. me, that was really, really important. That was a really important reason why I chose to be a foster care, and I think also why I went into teaching, to be honest with you, because I wanted to reach those kids who didn't have that home life or didn't have that those parents that you know some of my kids I was the only person that spoke nicely to them I was the only person that that smiled at them you know I was the only person who noticed that they'd come to school hungry so we went and got them breakfast you know that there's and I just think that you know that that to me that is that is probably why if I sat back and thought about it that's probably why I went into doing these these things and I thought when I left teaching I was like I'm not sure what I want to do Mm
0: -hmm. but I
1: kept coming back to parent like helping parents because when I was a teacher I got on so well with my parents because again Mm -hmm. I'm straight talking I will listen to them and it's not about shaming parents it's about sitting there and saying well you've been doing it that way for so many years and this is the outcome you've got uh-huh. what if we could do it differently yes. let's plant that seed what if we could do it differently mm. and it is a different outcome and you're not shouting and you're mm. not fighting and you're not having kids shimmying down the drain pipe at four o'clock in the morning and running off to the field you know mm. what if it could be a different outcome and I think that for me that's the whole reason why I got into this you know
0: and it's so powerful as you tell your story because I can feel your conviction and I can feel and 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 hopefully as, as parents listen if this is going to 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 ignite something in you and and we're not saying that you're not doing a good job. What we're saying is we can learn we mm-hmm. can learn something new. There's always yep. new things to learn. If yep. for example you're you're always bickering or always not having a good connection, especially when our kids turn to teenage years, it's a whole oh. different ballgame. What I say to parents, this is championship level parenting. Teenage this is year. Olympic, this is this is the Olympic, your your gold
1: medal status here.
0: This, this is, is this <laughs> this is what differentiates, you know, like like back backdoor, you know, back garden yeah. football and, and championship exactly and, exactly and you can't play back garden football no. in, in championship you're going to lose every time yep. so because we are there why not learn the rules the skills the strategies and and uh, and I can imagine maybe as you feel one of the things that I've worked with teenagers for a long time, and and my story is a different one. It's mm-hmm. not. It's about you today because I really want us to go into trauma. Mm-hmm. And 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 one of the things I I that used to really cross me cross, me, and I'm thinking, uh, it's people saying, "Oh, this strategy that worked in in when, when there were toddlers will work when they're teenagers." And you're thinking, "No, it's not going to work." No, formula milk is not <laughs> enough. It's no, not
1: for. For, for the kids that come in and, and decimate your kitchen at four o'clock in the afternoon, when they eat everything, you know, there's not a loaf of bread or a sandwich filler left, is there? No, it's, it's got to be different. And the thing is our kids, when they become teenagers, I think they need us just
0: as much, mm-hmm. if not more than when they were little. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I say to parents that, One of the research findings that's very, very popular is that in teenagers, they need our connection even more than they needed it when they were younger. But we as parents don't think so because teenagers, they behave, they don't want want anything to do with us. They, They don't want hanging around with us. They don't want, but we confuse that for, and and this is what I call the paradox of independence and connection, right? Because they because the actual
1: the actual stage being a teenager is only hundred years, hundred and fifty years old. Before mm-hmm. that, you were a kid, or you're an adult. You went, mm. you went, you went and worked in the fields or whatever it was. So now they've got this. I don't know if you ever watched that program, The Wonder Years. Um, you know, it it was about this kid in the 60s and his mates and they were all like, um, you know, the wonder years as they became teenagers. And that's exactly what teen, being a teenager is. It's that it, you're out in the wilderness. You don't know what's going on. Your brain's melted. Mm-hmm. You're back being, a, you're, you're a toddler in a teenager's body. Everyone looks at you and says, you're an adult. Mm-hmm. But actually you're not. You're not. One minute, one minute you want independence. The next minute you want your mum to hug you. But actually, you're all prickly because you've got hormones racing through your body. Mm-hmm. Your mum's looked at you the wrong way and you don't want to lose face, so you're going, get stuffed, I don't want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And actually, you're crying out inside for mm-hmm. someone to love you and, and hold you.
0: Absolutely. It's Absolutely. just being and a teenager <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and that's why it's so important for us as parents to understand this paradox, yeah. because if we don't, and I say to parents all the time, and I have to remind myself, because I have my own one, I have to remind myself, if we don't maintain this connection, because it's such an intricate need, then we'll get it somewhere else. Absolutely. And that's why, and that's why teenagers become very vulnerable. Anyone looks at them and they're gone. Mm -hmm. so anyone anyone you know and and these days it's so dangerous because at the click of a button you just say oh i don't my my mom don't get me and the kid downtown japan someplace says oh i get you and -hmm. and that's it your kid is is taken off they're gone right and and that i don't think any parents choose and that's why we need to be very very intentional extremely intentional
1: exactly and know know why we're doing stuff and I think this is the thing right I say this to like my my people in my community I say to them if you had a business and you wanted your business to be successful you would sit there and map out a business plan and your goals Mm -hmm. and the things that you want to achieve right what tends to happen when we have kids? What tends to happen is we go to school, we go to university or to work, whatever, we meet our partner, we get married or whatever, mm. and we have kids. And then we go, there is no thinking that happens because they they hand you this baby at hospital and they go, best of luck, hopefully <laughs> we won't see you anytime soon, off you go. Mm. And then you kind of go, oh, this is nice, let's have another one or another two or whatever. <laughs> And before you know it, you're knee deep in nappy poo and formula or milk or whatever, and the kids are seven, eight, nine, ten. They've you, you've missed that whole thing, and you actually haven't sat there and had the discussion with your partner about what is it I want to get from being a parent? What is it I want to my family? What is my rocking chair moment? What is the moment when I'm eighty and I'm sat on my rocking chair and I'm looking out? what is it I want to see? Do I want a family that comes back to me every holidays, every celebrations, shares their children with me? Or do I want a family that I never see? I never, I you know, we fight more than we, we say mm-hmm. we love you. And, and I think that's the thing. We don't actually, it comes back to this intention. We haven't we haven't thought it through we haven't thought and there's lots of people out there who I speak to and there's no judgment on this that have gone if I knew it was going to be this difficult I actually don't like it and I probably wouldn't have been a parent and you know they say that they they felt pressured into being parents mm. so, so there's a lot of people out there who are
0: probably doing it it's it's, it's yeah. It, it's by default, right? It's it's by default. It happened, and you just yeah. you're just going through the motion. Interesting, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, just today, I I just I like to hang stuff for my. I don't know if you can see it. I don't I don't want to move over the stuff. Yeah. Just just today, I I put up um, a quote by by a comedian. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a writer, and it says, "In the absence of." clearly defined goals we become strangely loyal to performing daily trivia mm-hmm. until we ultimately become enslaved by it so we are doing you know we, we just we're just going through the motions right and that's by Robert Heinlein right uh-huh. so, so parents i mean i i like it when another person another parent another coach comes and says says let's be intentional because if we are not these kids they'll just slide through our fingers yeah right and and those are lost moments and we can be intentional and therefore become Massive, massive influencers. Yeah, to our absolutely. People, right now, I know, Joe, we can talk about it. I know we can talk about intentional yeah. parenting until,
1: until forever 20, until the cows come home. Yeah, yeah
0: 2025. But I w- I'd like you to address trauma because okay. I think it's a very important topic for us to be able to identify. And I like some of the things you've begun to. To to mention because Mm -hmm. parents sometimes don't think that that could be that they're they're waiting for someone to to chop their their kids neck that's trauma yeah you know that that they're you're waiting for boom but the thing is it doesn't have to be boom it can be anything so exactly through that and also take us through some of the beliefs surrounding trauma that we need to burst. And dissipate today. So I think
1: I think I think one of the things is that we need to recognise ourselves as parents. Mm. We have been, say, victims, if that's the word you want to use, of trauma. Mm -hmm. Because for the majority of us, we will have had developmental trauma throughout, which means that throughout our life, growing up in our homes. We will have experienced things that our parents have said or done to us because that was the way it was done back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we all need to acknowledge that. And I think there's this belief that we can say and do whatever we want to our kids. And it, it, that's not the reason why they're behaving the way they are. I, I often think we, we shift the blame. Onto our children because we can't, or we don't like, to actually sit there and, and think that Be we caused that, and that's again that's not blaming parents. That's going you know we need to understand us and we need to understand how we, how we how how we work in situations what our triggers are our stresses mm-hmm. and things like that and how that impacts us and mm. the way that we the way that we interact with our children so you know I think that's the first thing we really need to be real with ourselves we really need to sit there and look in the mirror and say look what were the things that happened to me when I was a kid now for some of us they're probably not going to be you know these like I said before these big traumas mm. okay and and and, but it can be things like the way you were spoken to by a grandparent or by mm. an auntie or by mm. a friend, and it makes you feel less worthy.
0: Absolutely,
1: and that's a trauma. That's a little trauma. But you don't mention it. But it then becomes this belief: well, that mm. person spoke to me like that, therefore I must be
0: mm. less
1: worthy of my brother who got a hug from them you know it's those Amazing. things so our every action was it is it was it Isaac Newton every action has a reaction it's true really yes. does. everything does everything we do impacts and particularly in those first couple of years of life mm. the brain is just soaking it all up everything we know about our environment that we live in we learn yeah. in those first few years and the brain is right this happens therefore this happens like mm. my mum comes and picks me up I'm hungry my mum feeds me mm. I've got a dirty nappy my mum changed me or whoever you know whoever, whoever. Mm-hmm.
0: a lot of classical conditioning a lot of absolutely a, a lot of conditioning a lot of uh, a lot of and and that's the same way language is learned exactly
1: exactly (laughs) this happens and this happens so the thing is the way we parent right this uh, this is this goes off into all sorts of different tangents is our attachment style of parenting will impact whether we raise our kids to be securely attached to us therefore they are more likely to be resilient if something happens to them Mm. or if they become avoidant Mm -hmm. or big and bivalent yeah so so we have to really look at the way that we were parented and this is a big this this is this big myth around you know it doesn't matter what my parents did to me or it doesn't matter how my parents parented me because I'm going to parent differently. Yes, you are, but you have to be aware of those things because otherwise, in those moments of stress, you revert back to
0: type. Absolutely, and, and it's habit. It's habit. Absolutely, it is habit. It's, it's habit. It's habit. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 habit. It's like it's like um, it's like having having. Uh, Doing that, it's like having this Lamborghini um top of a car, mm-hmm. but in, in the engine is a Nissan. So yeah. when you rave it, you're wondering, everyone's wondering, oh, it it, it looks all Lamborghini, but it, it sounds like you know, it sounds yeah. like so. We can say, oh, I want to be this, I want to be this, I want to be that, I want but if we don't go and heal ourselves and most people talk no. about the inner child healing the inner child mm. or and I I in our world we like to call it it's really the the subconscious it's like your subconscious yes. mind but yes. then those are the habits those are the because, habits.
1: because mm. what happens right so if you if you have a trauma so if you imagine your brain's your your brain's like this, right? It's a V. Mm-hmm. So down the bottom is the brain stem, and then it goes up into. So the first bit is just all the stuff like the breathing and and the re, uh, you know, your heartbeat, all of that stuff that happens. It's the same nervous
0: system, anything. yeah.
1: And then the next bit is like our is is our emotion center.
0: That's yeah, that's the limbic brain. We talk yep, about limb- it here yep. a lot in, in yep. on here because we, we like parents to understand the teenager's brain and why they behave as they do. So yep. most most of you guys here so
1: uh, you know this stuff, right? So so we, what happens when someone
0: actually says it again it's because it's consolidating because yep. uh, we are learning.
1: Yeah. So, so then above that, you have the cortex, right? So in, as you know, in the limbic system, that's where your fight flight response is. That's where Mm -hmm. all your emotions, everything is. That's where memory is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Memory is there. Now the real kicker is our understanding of time happens in the cortex. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens is if we have a traumatic event, so let's take it back to something that We've probably all read about or heard about. So imagine a soldier returning from war. Mm. Quite often we saw this with Vietnam or Korean veterans, right? They could be walking down the street and a motorcycle would backfire and they were instantly on the ground scrambling for safety. Mm. Because what's happened is, the brain has, so the information has come in, the brain stem. it's gone up the brain. It's hit the bit, the memory bit. The brain's gone like a library. I know this bit. I know this bit. Yep, danger. that's what that is. Danger. This is. danger, 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 survival, survival, survival. And then it's not until a significant amount of time has passed that the brain, that the thinking part of the brain goes, no we're not in Vietnam mm. we're walking down or we're not this you know so what happens is when we've experienced trauma we are stuck the switch is stuck in our brain in that emotional mm. part, and we can't get
0: to the thinking part of our brain because we're stuck here and in fact in fact as you say that I want to say that it's not just the brain mm. where the memory is. No, because it's in we our body. The body has memory. All cells of our bodies have memory and, it, and and anything can be triggered. You know, have you ever smelled something and you thought, oh, my God, it takes you back. Yes. Or you see something and it takes you back. Or someone touches you in a you're like it takes you back because the body remembers as Dr. Mm. Cole says, the body remembers with exactly. some memories. Exactly. I, I just want to say about um about the, the trauma. What I would like you to talk about is the, the excessive stress, you know, like those, you know, those niggly things, like for example, I, I remember a, a teacher in in primary school saying that uh, you know they they said something that was not very in fact I cannot remember the exact words but all I remember is I felt bad Mm -hmm. and that for, for a long time I feared going into in when that lesson was on I did not have the wherewithal for me to go there and and for that reason, I performed very poorly because I was hiding myself from that because experience.
1: you were fearful. And, yes. when, and we know that when a child is fearful, they're not going to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So that whatever that person said to you, however they responded, however whatever it was, so it's not just the words, it could be the way they smelt, it is mm. the way they looked, the way they made you feel, all impacts and then all you know is that when you're going into that person's classroom for example you don't remember those things it is just fear that takes over it is just fear this is And can I just
0: situations. say and can I just say mm. what even made it worse was when i went home and told my mum she rubbished the whole thing mm. so that and that then, even worse
1: yes because then no one's believing you no one is listening to you and the best thing the best gift we can give our children is to listen and believe them mm-hmm. because children don't make stuff up 99.9% of the time they're not making it up you know they they don't have well they don't have the experience to make up embellished yeah. stories and things like that you know so so if we don't listen to our children when they come and tell us something that reinforces that belief that they're not worthy Mm. that it's okay for them to be treated this way Mm. and it just reinforces that and reinforces that and reinforces that so then what then happens is for example I'm not saying this was you but for example that class becomes your fear so you either go in there and don't say anything or you go in there and you become disruptive mm. because why would you want to be in a situation? You think about an animal, right? I do a lot of work. A lot of the stuff that I do with people um, in the warmer months, not now because it's too cold. Um, we use my horses because they are an absolute mirror to your soul. They will they will react to you in ways that you don't even know that you're thinking. Mm. And if you think about an animal, if you corner them, they're gonna come out fighting. And you know, that that's what's gonna happen, unless they're those goats that faint. And that is a response, that is a, that is a response to, you know, um, fainting is a response.
0: Absolutely, and so, there's two ways, there's two ways that, that, that young people can respond. They can either internalize it where mm-hmm. they, like you said earlier, you know, like you said, you know, I, I don't feel worthy. I'm, I'm nothing. I don't even belong here. Or there is externalizing behavior mm-hmm. where they get aggressive. You know, they yeah. they, they they are acting up. They are. But the aggressiveness <laughs> and, and that
1: that externalized behavior comes from the internalized feeling of I'm not worthy. So if mm-hmm. I'm not worthy, then it doesn't matter how I behave because it becomes this cycle of. Mm-hmm. You don't think I'm worthy, therefore I'm, I'm gonna sure. behave like this. You then say this or do this to me. That reinforces the fact that you don't like me and I'm not worthy, and, blah, blah, blah. and it just becomes this circle, this continual circle. And it's about breaking those cycles. Mm-hmm. And it's about recognizing we are a piece of that puzzle, we are a cog in that wheel. We nothing happens without I often say to parents. When they say their kids, they're fighting with their kids. I'm like, well, stop fighting, because you can't fight. Or you can't have an argument one sided.
0: <laughs> you know? Perfect. It's- you can't fight a person that has stopped fighting you. They might beat right. you. They might hit you the first one. Yeah. But if you're no longer getting, if you're not dancing anymore, then the dance stops. If exactly. it's a duo, if it's a duo dance. And one person decide I ain't dancing this anymore. The dance stops. Absolutely. And that's why self regulation on our side is very very important. What what I want I would like you to address, mm. Joe, because it's something obviously we are we are still somewhat in in the pandemic, and and obviously our young people have been through about two years or more of it one of the things I've been encouraging parents to do, and unfortunately now we have another world issue that yeah. even though it's not directly affecting us, we're observing it. Because we know in psychology, mm-hmm. I, I said to people, problem, when problems are happening to other people, as long as you're observing and you're aware, there you is what we secondary, got secondary trauma absolutely we have secondary trauma so don't sit there thinking oh my kid hasn't got any trauma you know you know we can't none of us is invincible to that because mm. they are hearing. even if you switch off everything unless you put them in a hole
1: kids right? have radar ears they know they know everything that's going on there isn't if you could be in the Cone of silence and they will still know what's going on.
0: Absolutely. And then they hear their friends talking about it Mm -hmm. and then they they, they will know somehow. So how I've been asking parents and encouraging parents to help because none of us is is immune to trauma, Mm -hmm. but what we can do, we can minimise the impact of the effects that it has on us by being able to process, and it's something I take I take parents through the approach, how to help their kids process, you know, process emotions, process thoughts, so that they're not stored in that memory, they're not stored in their bodies, because then they come they come out as either either post traumatic uh, d- disorders or so often, so so often trauma comes out in form of what we call psychosomatic disorders as well
1: well it does if you look at people who have and i'm not mitigating this and saying it's not true because it is to the people going through it. but if you look at fibromyalgia i can never say that word that is that often is caused from something traumatic that has happened in somebody's life the body st- the body cannot So, so I as I said, I often talk about animals because I I observe a lot in nature and Mm. I work a lot with animals as well. So I can, I can see this happening and I know this to be true. So if an animal has a traumatic event happen to them, Mm. what they do is they get up and they shake it off and off they go. Mm -hmm. If you stop the animal from doing that, they will die because they cannot get rid of that energy. They cannot get rid of that thing. So one of the most important things, and we are so heavily reliant on medication in the Western uh, world, right? And don't, don't med- get me started because <laughs> <laughs> it medication be has 2030
0: before we finish. <laughs> exactly. <back. laughs>
1: medication has its place, right? Mm, medication absolutely. has its place. However, if you don't address what's going on,
0: mm. if you don't
1: get up and move, movement, we know. Why do we rock a baby? We rock a baby because we give them regulation. When I'm rocking Mm -hmm. my baby, I'm regulating them. So as they grow up and as they get older, they find ways to regulate themselves. Now, my daughter's eight and she still comes and sits on my lap at nighttime. And she's like, rock me like a baby, mummy. I rock her like a baby. And she loves it. This is just before she goes to bed Mm -hmm. because it brings her back to that state of calm and that state of peacefulness that you need to go to sleep mm-hmm. so we do that so it's finding those ways how do you regulate how do you relate how do you get that you cannot deal with somebody who's deregulated right so you have to the first thing you have to do is regulate so how do you do that is it through dance is it through movement is it going for a run is it going for a walk in nature we know 10 minutes outside does more for you than any pill in oh. any packet that you're going to get. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Okay.
1: How And how do you do this? And this is about this is about true self-care. This isn't about having myself a hot cup of tea. Okay, that is self-care, yes. We all and should have they, a hot cup of tea, let's be honest. Or going for a
0: spa or something. Exactly, having our nails and done and I, or our hair or something. Actually, I'm going to be talking about those self-care activities because most most parents, especially mothers, we think oh, going to do your nails or going to do that self-care. But I know in your work, Joe, and, and I know in our work as well, we talk about a deeper sort of self-care. And that's what you're beginning to address, which is self-regulation. Exactly. So-
1: and and the re- and the way we self-regulate, right? Is majority of us open a bottle of wine, pour ourselves a gin, have a beer. Now there's nothing wrong with any of those things, mm-hmm. but if that's the way that you calm yourself down, then you cannot be surprised that your children don't know. I would say don't know how to regulate themselves because it's something that you have to learn. So if you don't know how to regulate yourself because you go for the drink then your children aren't going to know how to regulate themselves because you haven't been able to teach them that.
0: Absolutely, because it's it's a working out. A, another thing we say here is self self regulation. It's an action. It, it's 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 action, and it's and it's not a physical action. It's a mental action. It's it's bringing yeah. whatever it is that that's bothering you or that has caused you the pain. Bringing it to your attention, and and, and, and we call it recognizing. Recognize. Yeah, you've
1: got to recognize it. Sit with it. Feel uh, the feels. Hmm? We hate feel the feels. We hate feeling our
0: emotions. But so but we you will have go out, out and sit with it. And yeah. then what we say is, uh, uh, in, if you want to move on, don't sit with it forever. Yes, it's okay to sit with it, but tell yourself. For me to take the next step, I have to, I have to, to recalibrate. I have to decide, I don't like this. You have to tell yourself, see, I'm feeling so angry or I'm feeling so shameful or I'm feeling so guilty. And it's not nice. It, It doesn't feel nice. The body already tells you, this is not a nice thing, you know. Even if even if we don't know the the chemistry word of it, and yeah, you know, you your body turns. This doesn't feel good. So if some if something doesn't feel good, that means it's poisoning you, yeah. it's poisoning and, your body. So and what do you do?
1: Well, you practice gratitude. Gratitude is one of the things that you practice because you can trick your brain into releasing those endorphins that make you feel better and if you are grateful if you say thank you I often do this I am um, I help out at an event for th- three-day venting so it's a horse so it's three days of horse stuff mm-hmm. and and as you can imagine there's lots of people in the public that come some are nice some are a little bit irate and all that sort of stuff and and I, I say to the organisers and to everybody else, the volunteers that I'm there. I'm like, and we bless and release it mm-hmm. because we're not keeping hold of it. It's not there. We, we're not taking their energy on, and we're being grateful for the lesson that they've taught us,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we give it back to the universe. I and I know that. that. And that might sound a bit woo for some people but actually let we... me let me
0: I know I know what you're saying about it sounding woo another thing I keep saying to parents here because we we talk a lot about about a lot of woo things because sometimes I'll, I'll grab it from from the bible sometimes I'll grab yep. it from because these are nice and wisdom sayings but they're yes. not for for my scientific friends who are here who don't want that who would say in fact I'm glad you mentioned that because the other day I, I shared with my email with my email community about the, the the chemicals in the body that are released when we have gratitude when mm-hmm. we operate from an attitude of gratitude it's not just a nice oh gratitude or uh, attitude of gratitude. It literally has positive effect yeah. on your body. It when we changes are, us. It changes us. When we are operating from gratitude, we have the, the brain releasing serotonin. We have the brain releasing oxytocin, which is the love hormone because we have it releasing endorphins, you know? We have it releasing healing hormones. Yeah, it's not just a, it's not just a Christian is something or some spiritual something,
1: right? And this, no, uh, there's science in it, isn't there? It makes it us, the thing is, hmm? and the thing is, and this is really hard. If you've had trauma, this is really hard because, especially if you've had prolonged trauma, right, complex trauma,
0: hmm. because
1: to be grateful, what have you got to be grateful for? You know that that is that that is something that. That is hard to sit there and go. Well, you need to practice gratitude. Well, I've got nothing to be grateful for. And this is where you have to dig deep and actually start going. Right? Okay, mm-hmm. I have a choice here. I can choose to be the victim, or I can choose to stay. I'm going to change my life.
0: Wow! But
1: that takes a lot of that. That takes a lot of self awareness to be in that. You know, to sit there. And and go. Intentionality. Now,
0: I, we come exactly, back again. Come
1: back to that. To be being being
0: intentional,
1: intentional. Right. Without sounding judgmental and without sounding horrible, no one likes a victim, okay? So if people are going around playing the victim card, eventually they become alone. No one wants to be with them.
0: And I like what you've said because, again, I think, especially the people who are in our mentoring program, they know that some of the first basic lessons we talk about is your level of vibration, mm-hmm. and when you are operating from, you know, literally, you know, shame, mm-hmm. guilt, victimhood, and all that, the the energy is so low. Yes, it is so low that you have absolutely no influence on anyone. In fact, you are rejecting. You know, you you want to be as parents. I, I keep reminding parents, we are leaders. And what yes. do leaders do? They influence. So our, we, whether it's consciously or, or unconsciously, we want to be able to influence our young people. But when you're operating from those levels of victimhood, you know, shame, guilt, hopelessness, helplessness, you are not a magnetic, your magnetic field is so weak. You and you
1: attract understand. and like attract and unfortunately like attracts like. So you're okay. just going to attract they people say. who will do the continue that cycle of you know abuse or trauma or whatever it is that you've had in your life. And and it is difficult because if that's what you have been t- led to believe throughout mm-hmm. your life, that these things happen to you. And that's okay because nobody was there to listen to you or look after you or help you or not. And then now you're an adult and you've possibly got yourself in a a relationship or situations that are just, you know, a a grown-up version of what was happening to you as a child. It's really hard to see that there's another way. And this Mm. is the thing with trauma because it absolutely changes our brain it changes the way we see ourselves it changes the way that we look at ourselves and if you are an older, so if you're an older person who has trauma okay you can remember what life was like pre-trauma if that makes sense mm-hmm. but if that trauma is happening to you as a child and particularly in that first two months of life if trauma happens to you then then that is your normal, that's what, yeah. that's what, that's what you, that's, that's your, that's your thinking. default that's position, your default. that's, that's it, you know, mm-hmm. so, so all of this stuff, you know, it's not easy, it's not easy, it's to not easy, there and say,
0: absolutely, in fact, it's, this trauma subject is so huge, I'm feeling, see, it's massive. We're, coming, we're coming to the top of the hour, and I'm feeling we've not even scraped the surface. And I think, Joe, you're gonna to have to come back and talk I'd to us to about it because because we, we haven't talked about the different sorts of, and I really want parents to understand that and especially how, you know, that look, you know, that look that you give your kid and you think it's an innocent look. Because what happens is the stories our kids tell themselves in their mind, that is what actually causes trauma. Because what I say is, it is not the experience that is the problem. It is how someone helps you to process that experience. Because if the experience was the problem, and I'm not saying those experiences are nice. They're not nice. Some of them, A lot of them are not nice. But then how is it that one person is able to, to carry on, okay, and another one is not able to carry on, okay, because of the way they processed it. Yeah. Because, like, like you said, you can, you can, you can develop an attitude of of gratitude, so that when such things hit you, they slide like like oil, you know. they, yeah, they it's slide like Teflon, like, isn't it? Off it? just it just slides off, right.
1: But, but i think that's very much you've got you know it's about learning and building resilience mm-hmm. and and again if you're not taught how to be resilient or if you're not brought up in an environment where resilience is a thing mm-hmm. then you're not going to you're not going to have the coping strategies the the mechanisms to to basically fight it off because mm-hmm. you know doing that like I don't want your energy. You know, you speak mm-hmm. to Reiki healers and that. It's about thank you. I don't want that energy. You can yeah. have that. I'm sending that energy back to the world or back to the universe. And if you don't, <laughs> if you can't do that because you haven't been taught the way to do that, then then we could experience exactly the same thing, but one of us will
0: walk away with a different effect. Than yeah, the other completely
1: different with yeah. that the poles apart. So absolutely.
0: And and I, I I think as well, again, another 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 facet of trauma is when sometimes we, we say to our kids, oh I've got to be cruel, to be kind, or I want it so hard for you so that you can get you can be resilient. You where
1: know, do we where do we get this um, where where do we get this belief that we have to make our kids feel crap about themselves to make them behave better? It's it's crazy. You wouldn't go out to your garden, right? I'm not the best gardener in the world, let's be honest, but, hey, I do keep things alive. it. Yeah, you don't go out to your garden and go, I want my roses to look beautiful, but actually I'm going to pour petrol on them. I know, and brush of, them. Yeah, and then expect to have award-winning roses at the flower show. It's not yeah. going to happen. Your roses are going to be dead, you know, and yeah. that's exactly what we do to our kids. We sit there and we go, I'm doing this for your own good. Mm are you really no actually what you're doing is you're triggered by something that happened to you and the response that you got was I'm doing this for your own good instead of let's talk about this let's discuss where this has come from let's talk about why that behavior is happening let's talk about and we don't want to sit there and listen. I think this is this is one of the things. I this is one of the things that I learned very much from the kids when they lived with us
0: was, we were the only people that listened to them. And, and the thing is, our kids, and all of us, all of us actually, we want to to be listened to. We want to be heard. We yeah. want to feel valued. We want to feel that we belong. And I keep saying to to our parents that. We, most of us, were parented before the the Children's Act, right? Yeah. Now, we are parenting kids who are after the Children's Act, and they have an idea of how I I think I ought to be treated, you know? But so there is a big mismatch, and that's why you as a coach, as a parent coach, I would encourage people, seek Joe out. Seek out, seek us out. Yeah. Seek whoever, but don't sit there with your default parenting thinking because none of us knows it all. And what I usually say, ages ago, we used to live in villages and people would share mm-hmm. stories. And the worst thing is, yes, when our kids are little, we go to toddler mothers and toddlers and all, and but when they are in teenage years, we don't have these groups. No, and Be- that's why you I am introducing you to Joe I'm introducing you to someone else and whoever for, for whatever you do don't be alone because people are out
1: and this is this is part of the reason why I became a parent coach because if there was someone like me around for my mum to speak to when I was a teenager mm-hmm. I think things would have been very very different and and you don't have to do it alone. And it's not, there's no shame in it. There's no, if you, you know, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't walk around or drag your leg around for like six weeks going, oh, it's terrible. I'm not going to go to the doctor and get my leg sorted out because it's shameful. No, you'd go and get it plastered or whatever, you know. And it's the same with our kids. If things aren't great, mm-hmm. what are the, what, look, basically be very black and white about it is you have two options here. You carry on. And you end up with the situation where you have no relationship with your child mm. or you ask for help mm-hmm. you don't like asking for help and that comes down to very much how we've been brought up yes you know if we see it as a
0: weakness and all of that mm-hmm. sort of and thing. we live in a society that shames support in fact yeah. as you as you see, see that uh, i don't know you my community knows i i am um, the, I write for the royal parenting um, I'm the royal parenting uh, commentator and one actually last week I wrote about one of the one, one of them it's going the, the the article is about will come out so I'm not mm-hmm. going to mention the person yeah. but one of the things i said about that particular parent was the is the way she's an avid avid seeker of support, mm. he's an avid seeker of support. And you will see from from what she says, from what she does, from the kind of, the, of support she seeks. And uh, she says, you know, parenting in itself is already hard enough without mm. us being shamed from seeking for support. And yeah. that, what I said about her, this is how you know intentional parenting. This is how you know someone who is a leader because leaders are learners.
1: Exactly. They seek you know, learners. Huh? A, a leader is not somebody that's going to sit there and say that they know everything because yeah. they don't. And I used to say that when I was a teacher and the kids would ask me stuff, which I think sometimes they'd just do it to see like <laughs> to see. <you laughs> to know, laugh just, at you. Yeah. So like, <laughs> does she know about this? Let's ask her. And I'd be like, I have no clue. How about you go and find out about it and come back and tell me. Because Absolutely what's the what's the alternative make up some lie get caught out and the kids and then that becomes a distrusting situation i Mm -hmm. can't trust what comes out your mouth because the last time you told me a lie
0: and also it's good it's good for them to realize that none of us knows everything
1: no exactly we don't know
0: and and also it creates um it creates a comfort in them actually i don't have to feel ashamed of when i don't know something it's okay not to know. Yeah. and then I can go and search or research it's okay and then because as we do that we are eliminating again the shame and the guilt and all that so Jane yes I want to ask you because over here we believe in taking action mm-hmm. right and today if you could give our parents three tips on, on self-care, whether it's self-regulation, whatever it is, or how they can connect? Because I know you're very good at producing programs that help help parents connect to their kids and um, and, and, and helps parents build confidence. Mm-hmm. What three tips can we, today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be writing them as well because... <laughs> I might
1: write them down as I tell them,
0: <laughs> them for myself. Yeah, can you share with us something that we can do this week that's going to make us begin to make those positive changes that we want in our families?
1: I think the first thing is to seek that connection with our children.
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: are we going to do that? So it could be, okay, if we're talking about teenagers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: send them a text message. hey. I love you I've put an extra five pounds on your lunch card today whatever you know something to make a connection with them to make them feel seen and to make them feel valued
0: I love you so more Joe I love you so much
1: <laughs> so that would be that would be my first thing is to seek that connection find something there will be one thing that you can do this week even if it is even if you're struggling, even if it's getting their bath towel and putting it on the radiator before they have a shower. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they've got a nice, I love a nice towel, nice warm towel after my bath. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they, you know, it's that kind of thing. I have thought of you, you were present in my mind today and I have thought of you. Wow. So that would be my first thing. Seek a connection. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would think about is how can we help our kids regulate Mm -hmm. okay what can we do when we know say on a wednesday night after football or hockey or something like that we know our kids are a little bit deregulated whether that's because they've been out playing sport they're not you know they've they've lost the game or they're Mm -hmm. not how can we help them regulate what did we do for them when they were little that helped them regulate so is it we do this we do Friday we do Friday night kitchen dance party that's what we do to um oh. my daughter's even been dancing on the table this was during lockdown we used to put um we used to put Gok Kwan on and when he did his um isolation nation and she's up on the table I'm like that's my child I'm so proud um, <laughs> there, whoa, whoa. um so what is it something you can do together because when you do it together so it could be dancing in the kitchen okay they might think you're a bit of a dick they might go i'm not doing that but what is it something that you can do together mm-hmm. you know how can you do that how can you help them regulate Absolutely. what is think that they can you know that they can do
0: and, and, and can i just say something simply yes. there i know i like what you said especially with teenagers they might not want you to join, they might not want to join in, in your thing, but it could be, oh, remember that TikTok thing you showed me the other day? Yeah, remember that movie, whatever, what, find something, exactly. find something, exactly. connect, and then go make a, be ready, be willing to, yes. to, to handle yourself. Humility is part of leadership, and do the thing with them. Yeah, so
1: that's yeah, absolutely. So part. do something, do something with them, something that helps them. You know, just calm or or just just. It, it comes back to that connection again, doesn't it? It's about mm-hmm. connecting. Them. And then I would, I would be. My big thing, is about offering a safe place. Oh. You, it is about, for our teens, it's about knowing that home is the place where it doesn't matter what I've done, it doesn't matter what I've said, it is a safe place. I can come home and you will still love me.
0: Oh, that and I think so that
1: is, if that's the, actually that would be the one thing that I would hope that people took away and did because often our teens Feel that they can't go home hmm. because they've really stuffed up I want my kid to come home when they've I could tell you countless stories of the police knocking on my door at three four o'clock in the morning in fact the police knew us that well that when one of our dogs went for a little walk one day they brought them back and they went <laughs> this belongs to you I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so you know you and be I, that safe I like your vulnerability right there Joe, because most of us Our tendency is to to hide and and pretend that these things don't happen. The the good thing about this village is that we are all intentional parents of teenagers. And we know that when Joe's talking about police turning up at three o'clock in the morning, I'm sure you're talking for for thousands of people from around the world. When I spoke about my my kid, almost, you know, shouting at me and opening the door nearly bringing me down yeah you know that i was speaking on behalf of thousands of other kids when 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 you speak about uh, about your kid granting at you you as if you're not the only one Mm. yep
1: and i think sometimes i you know we parent in a silo and it feels so much like when we shut that front door we think that we're the only people going through this because unfortunately we don't have that community anymore Mm. we don't have that I read this book and um it was Oprah Winfrey and Bruce uh Bruce Perry yeah yes have you read it
0: um, what happened to you what
1: happened to you yeah Mm. and I remember Oprah saying um when she moved to Missouri or Mississippi I can't remember somewhere Michigan maybe wherever Uh, um, (laughs) her dad said to her find your church community and it's about not necessarily about finding your church if you know if you go to church that's cool whatever but it's about finding your village finding your people because (laughs) if you don't have that then parenting is an uphill struggle absolutely so seek those people out look for them you know that kind of thing
0: and and we love it. So guys, there is that those three tips for this week: seek connection. If it means you texting them or on is it Snapchat or whatever, getting whatever one of those ones, do something that connects them. Even if it's a note or something, slide slide a note and say to them, "I love you" or something. Seek connection. And then another thing you said was find a way to regulate you know it could be going for a walk together mm-hmm. or i don't know cooking together or dancing like joe's family mm-hmm. dancing on a friday together whatever there is something that you as a leader because we know that you're a leader and you're able to come up with those ideas and then there's also that um become become a safe space one of the one of the one of the quotes we like to use here is that we, as parents, want to become a safe space for our kids to speak. Because when they can speak their minds, they are able to share their frustrations, their fears, their dreams, their jokes. You know, they're, and when they can do that, they are able to open up to us. And and again, the cycle goes on. It goes back to connection. So, Joe, tell us. Where can our community find you? Because we are all about connecting parents who are intentional in, in a village. Because all of us, all of us need to be in this village of like-minded people, people are, who are not going to shame you, people are not people who are not going to think you're crazy. Well, yeah, so where can people find you? Find
1: <laughs> so you can find me on, or you can find me on facebook mm-hmm. i have a group called healing from childhood trauma
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so we talk a lot about obviously trauma um, and parenting mm-hmm. um i'm on instagram i am joe mitchell hill coaching on instagram mm-hmm. and i'm on linkedin joe mitchell hill and if you want to email me it's joe at joe mitchell hill dot com i think yeah
0: yeah, brilliant. What I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll put all those um all those contact details over yeah. here because this is going to go out as a video as well as an yeah. audio, guys. Just whatever you do, please make sure you connect with a coach. If, if it's not me, let it be Joe, but don't be alone. Right. Yeah. So, we any any sort of last minute comments for us, Joe.
1: I've just really enjoyed coming on tonight and speaking with you, Angie. It's been fabulous. I love, I love talking about parenting. I love talking about teenagers, and obviously, tra- you know, trauma helping, you know, uh, helping us understand that and and be more intentional, more conscious parents with our children. So, thank you so much for having me. And just you know, it's okay. No one expects you to know the stuff you don't know. But if you want to see a difference, if you want to be sitting on that rocking chair when you're 80 and you want to be surrounded by love and family, then you need to make a choice which which path of the road are you going to go down, this one or this one. And wow. that will determine, you know, what you see on your rocking chair when you're 80. Wow. Wow.
0: I have nothing else to add on to that. Thank you so much, guys, for today. And I am so, so excited. Thank you for investing in this hour to hang out with myself and Joe, and also for learning. And I know you're going to take action on the information that we have shared because you want to get transformation. And from all of us here at Raising Remarkable Teenagers, we wish you a great, great week and go ahead. And practice what you've learned because we are all about, all of us, I think all of us, anyone that's listening to this, we want to raise highly effective teenagers without losing our own minds. So we'll see you on our next session. So so bye bye for now. Bye.